had a massive month in May. You know how some months, you know, they're just kind of blah, not much to it. And then other months are just boom. You learn so much. It's an acceleration of a month. Well, that was me in May. And then that was me in also January. And obviously, we can never be growing and changing at that acceleration rate always. That's just the, our part of nature. You know, nature, there's a time for blooming and there's a time for regeneration. And that's the same with us. So in May, everything kind of changed when I started reading this book called The Freedom Transmissions. And it's a channeled book. It's a woman who channels Yeshua, Jesus. Whether you believe that or not, you know, doesn't really matter. It, this book has really shifted my life. And I do think it's interesting that a lot of the Bible is channeled. And I don't know why that's judged as the supreme word compared to nowadays. You know, as if divine inspiration has been shut off after 2,000 years. I don't really believe that. But this book is confirms everything that I have always felt to my core. So it's it's very affirming to me in every way. But it's also exploded some beliefs in me. Like the biggest shift was when Yeshua talks about the difference between hope and expectation. So just think about that. What is a hope? versus an expectation what's the feeling of both for me when i feel into it a hope feels light and unattached and an expectation feels heavier and it feels controlling but before i really thought about this i i i thought they were kind of similar but this Yeshua book explains it as a hope is staying in the present moment but an expectation is a jump forward into the future so it's a shadow version of hope and it's future it's forward control but hope is a light present moment hope of course there can be distorted hope where you're not rooted in love and it's like oh I hope so and so does not come to my party that's distorted hope is what he calls it but anyways when I was reading about hope versus expectation in this book my mind was shattered because I realized that I don't hope to become pregnant I expect to become pregnant in the future but I I hope that I will be healthy when I'm old. You know, I'm very healthy with a lot of my habits. That's kind of my lifestyle is taking care of my body because my body is a gift from God. It is a temple. So I want to treat it as the gift that it is. But even though I treat my body with so much love and respect right now, it does not guarantee that I like will not get cancer in the future. So I have a hope that I won't get cancer in the future, but I don't expect myself to not get cancer. So I have this 
unattached lightness to that. I hope that I'll be healthy in the future, but I don't expect that I will be healthy forever because I have surrendered that to God, I think. Like, I can do my best. I do what's in my control now. But ultimately, I do my 50% and then I surrender the 50% to God. Whatever happens in the future. And I honestly do that with my marriage. And I always have. I hope that Malcolm and I will be married forever. But I don't expect us to be. And it's because my dad died when I was 12 And I know the realities of marriage, that people die or leave at any moment. And it sounds pessimistic or fearful, but it's not. It is reality. My dad died and my mom didn't plan for that. So with with that, I, I hope I'll be married forever, but I don't expect it to be. So I have this, I have this surrender. I have surrendered my marriage to God is what it feels like in my body. All of this is is a feeling in my body. So I have looked at all of these scenarios and I realized that it's very heavy that I expect to become pregnant at some point in the future. It's not a light hope. It's not this unattached hope. It is a control. It is an expectation that I have held and forced And it is control issues. It's control issues because I expect to be pregnant. So I will not look at any other possibility of outcome. So I have never, ever faced the possibility that the reality uh, that I may not ever get pregnant. I have never faced that. And this is how my journey is so different than other people. Because I have been, I have been, leaning into and absorbing myself in the light only and completely ignoring the shadow the light that it will happen and i will get my future and i will get this without the healthy dose of reality that it may not ever happen i have only allowed myself to be in the light without the balance of honoring the shadow And most people on the journey that I'm on with getting pregnant or not getting pregnant, they get stuck in the shadow. It may not never happen. You know, what if I never get pregnant? And they stay there and they get stuck there. And that's most people, but I'm totally different. But they're both unbalanced. You need to be in the shadow and recognize the shadow and recognize the light. Yin yang, we need balance, we need both. So when I realize that I don't have a light hope to be pregnant, I have an expectation to be pregnant, I then realized that I say I trust God with the expectation that I will get pregnant in the future. And I say that I trust God because I have that expectation, which to me is mind-blowing because that's not trust. Trust is saying... I, I trust God even if I never become pregnant. I trust God even if I don't get anything I want. I trust God if my life unfolds in a completely different way than I want. 
That's trust. And this whole time, I have been saying I trust God with the expectation that I will get everything I want. That was my biggest aha moment in May. Can I trust God if I get nothing else I want in this life? If I get nothing else that I want and I only get what I need. And sometimes we don't know what we need. We're only focused on our wants. So then I had to face, how can I accept that I may never get what I want? I've never faced this. I have never faced the reality that I might not get what I want. I kind of think that's mind-blowing. And it also is a very interesting conversation in the world of manifestation. Because I have been claiming this outcome for so long. And I talk as if it will happen and it's kind of like already happened. Because I've claimed it. But now I'm seeing that that's control. Because I cannot accept if it doesn't happen. Like, this is deep shit. So once I realized that I have to surrender what I want and accept what I might need instead, uh, it's, I've really had to feel what it feels like in my body. I went, you know, I felt a lot of anger. Like, how could it be fair that I don't get what I want? Like, that's just cruel, right? That's so cruel. Um, I felt like, what is the point of my life if I don't get the very thing I want that I've been wanting my whole life? I had to really ask these really deep, dark, gross questions of what is the point of my life? Because all I've ever wanted is to become a mother. But it's, it's not just becoming a mother. It's experiencing the female human experience of pregnancy, birth, parenthood, breastfeeding, the female experience. It is encoded in me to want that. And that's all I've ever wanted. Not that it will fulfill all of my desires and happiness. and But no, that is what I am encoded to desire because pregnancy is an initiation into greater feminine energy. Oh, so of course I want that. That's why most women want that. It's natural. So I went through, you know, these deeper, darker feelings and questions and I realized, okay, it feels really dark and heavy in my body. It it feels like a bewildering, like how how could it be that I might not get what I want? And I was just honest with myself of I don't even know how to release this. I don't know how to surrender it to God. I don't know how because it seems so wild to me. So my recipe and what I did was just, Yeshua, I want to feel peace with the idea if I never get pregnant. I want to feel peace and I want to feel surrender. I want to feel okay if I never get pregnant. I, it's a feeling in my body that I desire. So isn't that interesting that almost everything goes back to feelings? 
we're always chasing feelings or wanting to get rid of feelings. So in this case, I want my feeling of anger and bewilderment um, to change to a deep peace that it will all be okay. And so it's just a feeling in my body. So I, I, I didn't think about, oh, what external thing can I do to change this feeling? I was just like, Yeshua, please change this feeling in my body. And then it was about a week later that I caught myself thinking two new thoughts I have never thought before. So I was thinking a thought of, my life is so amazing. I have crafted my life from you know a hustling, workaholic, traveling wedding photographer to this very slow and stable life of freedom where I just kind of do what I want on a daily basis. This is the life I created. This is what I want. A slow life of freedom that I spend my time however I want. And it's because my husband, you know, so dedicated to his job and his career that affords me this life and I'm you know very upfront about that but regardless I did craft and create my life the way I want it you know I didn't want to hustle anymore and now I have this slow life so I created the life that I desire and I am living it right now so if my life did remain the same for the next 20 years which you know the constant of life is that it changes, but hypothetically, if my life stayed like this for the next 20 years, I could be okay because I am living the life that I want to be living to, to some extent, right? The slowness, the freedom. So I could be okay. And that was a whole new thought paradigm I have never thought before. So when I thought that thought, I was like, oh my gosh, that is a new thought. That is proof that a shift has occurred in me. That I am saying if my life remained the same, I could be okay. That is major. That's when I knew this feeling was shifting inside my body. Because of my thoughts. And then my second thought I thought was... My life is so rich with people. My life is so rich with relationships. My life is so rich with female friendships, babies, children. It is so rich with so many people that I don't have a deficiency. I don't have a lack. I really, really don't. Basically, all my emotional needs are taken care of, you know, through my community of friends. I get to wa- I watch these two beautiful little souls almost every week, Sedona and Cave, and that fills up my cup. So I really don't have a lack. I really don't have a deficiency. And it's because relationships are the most important thing in my life, and it's what I nurture. So I had these two thoughts back to back in my head, and because I am pretty aware and present with my thoughts in my head, after I thought those thoughts, I, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have never thought these thoughts before. These are new. These are foreign. This is proof that things are shifting in my body. 
I, that shift is occurring within my body and that's what I call a miracle. So in my, one of my favorite books, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, she explains that a miracle is a shift from fear to love. And that has always stuck with me. So in this scenario, I truly believe my shift from anger to I could be okay is a miracle. We think of miracles as this external phenomenon on when these external situations occur or happen in our life. But really, it's our inner world. Miracles happen within our inner world, our inner feelings, our thoughts. When we can shift from anger to peace, that is a miracle. When we can shift from blame to forgiveness, that is a miracle. When we can shift from resentment to acceptance, that is a miracle. It is a shift in our body. It's a shift in our inner world, our feelings, our thoughts. A shift from a negative feeling to a positive feeling. A shift from fear to love. Fear to peace. From doubt to trust. That is a miracle. So the main thing that I learned from that situation in my life is that when we are unsure of how to let someone go or we are unsure of how to stop worrying about something, sometimes all we have to do is ask God to change it. And when I say that, I've said that to one of my friends that was very, very religious, that is now not religious. And she made such a good point that in, in some religions or some religious circles, all they do is pray for healing or pray about everything and everything and they will not utilize you know, therapy or medicine or doctors or he, you know, healers. And so there can be one end of the spectrum where, oh, someone abuses you, you just pray about it instead of leave the abusive environment. There's one end of the spectrum that is like, pray about it and do nothing else, basically. And then there's another end of the spectrum, and that's more so the spiritual community, in my opinion, or maybe who I was for a while, is that your knee-jerk reaction is not to pray, and it's to take plant medicine, go to a healer, go to a psychic. Um, you know, it's, it's seek help externally is the knee-jerk reaction instead of going to the original source, going to God. And obviously, balance between those two ends of the spectrum is probably the healthiest place to be. It's knee-jerk reaction praying about it because you are going to the source that can heal anything and do anything without the guarantee that you will get what you want because you will always get what you need and we do not always know what we need we always know what we want we want to be healed we want to find a partner we want to have a baby we want more money we want a different house we want all these wants but we often don't know exactly it is that we need for our soul growth so we can pray and somehow still surrender the outcome and trust that we will get what we need versus what we want. But if we need to use a book 
or a plant medicine or a healer or something, we can also do that without the expectation of this will happen. It's always about surrendering the outcome, which is easier said than done. So the other aha moment that happened to me in May was the realization that I act confused about intuition versus fear when I really, really, really do know. I really do know. Because fear always happens from a thought process, like a thought pattern. You know, like I, I read something about a scary health uh, situation, and then boom, I get a fear. It's very easy to know fears because you see evidence, then you have a fear thought, or you have a thought pattern that turns into and forms into fears. But with intuition, and I think I'm more so talking about psychic ability because I have had three or four true psychic moments in my life where I heard or saw something and without a shadow of a doubt, I knew it was real. I heard a voice and I saw a vision and I knew it was true and it was real and I didn't doubt it for a second and I still have never doubted it because it was that real and strong. And it's from those three or four situations that I have learned that when something that strong, that psychic, that intuitive happens to me, I know that it's intuition. I know that it's psychic. And then there's no confusion. There's zero confusion. So I need to stop acting confused over intuition and fear because I've had these psychic moments in my life and I think we all have. We just need to you know, claim that, no, it happened and it was real and claim that and then claim that when you know you know and when you don't know you don't know and it's really that simple but a big piece of why I am so scared to claim these intuitive moments or these psychic moments is because one of my first initiations into this was when I was in eighth grade and I had a dream that my dad died on the same night my mom had a dream that my dad died. And I remember feeling so eerie about it. And then I would go to, and then I went to school and I told my friends about it. And my friends were like, it'll be okay. And I didn't believe them. And I knew it was creepy. And I didn't believe them when they said it will be okay. And I think my initiation into that psychic ability was scary and fearful. So, you know, why would I want to claim that when it just brings about pain or fear or loss? So there's a lot of people, I think, in these same shoes where your initiation into this gift, which everyone has this gift... It's just whether we want it or shut it off or not. A lot of us, our initiation was, you know, a fear or a pain, which energy does not judge. Energy doesn't judge something as negative or positive. It's just energy. But if our first initiation 
into you know psychic ability or intuition brought about pain we shut it down because it's not it doesn't feel safe and we don't want that so what's interesting is about the other three psychic events that happened in my life that i know were true was one time i heard my friend laughing in my head and and I heard it and I'm like, what was that? That was so strange. I'm going to text this person and they said, oh my gosh, I was, I was talking about you just in this moment. And that's how I knew that was a psychic sound. This person laughed in my head and it came out of nowhere. I wasn't thinking of this person. It, was, it didn't come from any thoughts. That's how I knew it was real. And so I love that some of my psychic stories were not about big events they were just you know my friend laughing in my head but I knew and so it's just teaching me the feeling of knowing but one area I am confused about is you know I have three to four situations maybe a few more that I haven't thought about that were psychic it was a hundred percent knowing I had no doubt But what about all the other times, you know, I've had a gut feeling about something and then it was right. It wasn't necessarily a psychic sound or psychic vision. It was more of a a quiet knowing. And that's harder. That's harder to decipher, in my opinion. But the only thing that I can really understand with an intuitive whisper is that intuitive whispers sometimes are so quiet and they're very easy to miss compared to the voice of fear in your mind is loud and you cannot ignore it. So I know in the human design, if you have intuition from your spleen, I think that's what it's called, you receive intuition from one quiet whisper. And this is me, by the way. You receive intuition from one quiet whisper. And if you miss it, it's gone. And it's very quiet. And I have experienced this. So this might happen and feel differently in your body, by the way. We all feel and hear things and see things completely different. But for me, I feel like my intuition is one little quiet whisper. But Fear is loud and I cannot ignore it. I cannot shove it away. It is yelling in my head. And that's how I know the difference. The last thing I want to talk about is that in May, that was the month, that new moon was the moon that I decided it is time to let these two specific relationships go. There are two relationships in my life that have dissolved you know kind of because of the pandemic and these were two very close people in my life and i've had no closure with them it just it's so it's like they died and i've had no peace about it i've wrestled with it i just don't understand how these people can just stop caring or just let me go so easily so I've had no peace about it but it's been a 
about two years and I need to let it go. Because every time I think about these two people, I'm just in awe that it could happen, that you could just just stop talking to someone one day. Oh, so with this new moon, I realized it's time. It's time to stop dwelling because I lost those relationships and in turn, I have gained new relationships. I have gained more beautiful people in my life. In this Yeshua book, he says, with every loss, is a del- it is a liberation. A loss is a liberation. And in the moment, it will never feel as a liberation. It won't. Because it's painful and it's grief. But after time passes and you can look back, it is a liberation. It happens so that we can achieve more balance in our life. It happens for less chaos and more balance for ourselves. But because I lost these people, I have gained even more people and more beautiful people and and more people that are truly in alignment with, with who I am now. These people I probably was aligned with years ago, but not anymore. So, you know, our season together is done. So... Again, I was like, I don't know how to let these people go. I don't know how. All I know is that I want the feeling in my body to change from like discontent and ugh to peace. I am always seeking deeper peace. I want to feel peace when I think of these people. So I wrote each of them a letter that I will not give to them, but I, eat, I wrote each of them a letter. You know, I tried th- thinking of all the ways that they helped me, that they were a gift in my life, but that I need to let them go. And I'm ready to clip the cord, sever the tie, fully release them. And all I could do is ask Yeshua to help me release these people. I want to surrender this. Because Yeshua says, when you let something go, you become one with them. And I still don't get it, but I want to feel that. When you let something go, you become one with it. Or when you let someone go, you become one with them. I don't get it, but I keep saying this mantra. And I'm like, I want to feel that and understand that. So all I did was write them a letter And I asked Yeshua to help me release them, help me cut this cord and change this feeling in my body to peace. I just want to feel peace and deeper peace. And one of the greatest things I am learning from this Yeshua book is that he says, give me your crosses. You were never meant to bear your crosses. You were never meant to hold your own burdens. You are supposed to give them over to me. So why do we create more suffering for ourselves by holding on to our own burdens, carrying our own crosses when we have the choice to give them to him? That's a choice. So that has been my focus and that has been my practice.